The following is an original audio series from Sierra International Machinery, Pile of Scrap, with your host, John Sacco. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Pile of Scrap. Here is Re Day, I don't know. I got here Friday. Today's what's today? Wednesday, Tom? Four, four, five? I don't know. Day four or five. But ISRI 2023, have the pleasure and honor to have BIR president and good friend, Mr. Tom Bird. Tom, nice to welcome. Be here, John. How are you doing? Good? Yeah, we're doing great. Hey, you had a special day yesterday. You want to tell us yeah, about I it? I did, yeah, yeah. I hit the, uh, the big 6 0. <laughs> Are you feeling older this morning? Uh, life begins at 60, John. Yeah, there you go. Me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, fantastic. Happy birthday again. Thank you very much. Great. So a year ago, we sat down yep. in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and we, 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 had this conver- we had a conversation, and the first topic mm-hmm. was the war in Ukraine mm-hmm. with yeah. Russia, and yeah. how, as you as president of the BIR, how difficult it was. Well, here we are a year later. It's like third-page news now, not front-page third page yet it has front page implications still what's going on and with with the membership and how europe is feeling are we scared of atomic war what are we what's going on yeah i mean as far as the membership is concerned as i said last year you know it was, it was um well after the meeting last year we sort of made some decisions and that was that you know we we had to um look at the whole situation and we, and, and we took a decision that uh, we wouldn't take any more uh, membership from the from, from from Russian businesses, and similarly, we wouldn't take any renewal fees okay. at the time. Um, so that's what we did, and we've stood by that. So you know, we had we had um, as it transpired, and I think I mentioned last year, we had you know Ukrainian members that had had their businesses destroyed, and it was a very very difficult time, as you can imagine. Uh, we're not a political organisation, but we have to take a sensible view on this. And of course, there was the the the, the issue of, um, of of banking and money and receiving money from Russian companies and all of that. So we had to be very very prudent in our approach, and we took a decision that we would um, suspend um, membership of of, uh, of of Russian companies and accept no new uh, applications for membership. And we and we've stood by that, and that is still the case today. Okay, so how does that affect BIR? I mean, is there animosity building from well, can we call them innocent? They're not the government. They're no. not the ones creating the, the war. Is there resentment building? Is there frustration? Or are they afraid to speak out? What, what, what's your sense? No, I think there could be a little bit about afraid to speak out. Um, but there hasn't been any any um, sort of major issues for us in terms of, you know, use the word resentment and people perhaps getting angry. And that hasn't happened. That simply hasn't happened. What we have had, however, is that we have had, right at the outset of this, we had a couple of... Um, of, of members that that uh, who, who shall remain nameless, um, and I understand why they did. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll explain what happened. They contacted me and they said, "Look, we hope you will not be allowing uh, any um, any new uh, membership in from Russia." They were quite strong about it, so there was that 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 was a push from within members, and one of the reasons was was one of these members had operations in Russia, and. What he was basically saying was was that effectively they were cut off from them. In other words, that they, that that that, that any business transactions they couldn't even take with their subsidiaries, um, and so they were saying that you know we we hope the BIR will take a stand on this as well because we as a company are even having to do it with their own subsidiaries. So it was an interesting dynamic at the time. But I can safely say that there has been very little um, conversation about it well, since then. Let's hope this war ends. You know, so there, another issue in Europe. Um, that concerns me, and of course, uh, all you in Europe and mm. with the metal recycling is the export control. Yeah, that's right. 
you know, we as a trade association at ISRI, we, you know, I'm part of ISRI as far as being a member, we've always stood by free and fair trade, right? We should be able to trade our product anywhere in the world as without the encumbrances. But now Europe has gone with this exports control to non-Basel uh, Convention signees. Mm. How's that affecting the markets? How's that affecting your membership, your members? I mean, look, it's a huge impact. It's a huge implications for the industry. And I've been very consistent in my view on it. Um, you know, the, the 20 million tons is exported approximately out of, out of, out of, out of Northern Europe, um, which means that um, 20 million tons isn't being consumed. There's a reason for that. You know, if the steel mills within the European continent, European community, EU, call it what you will, if they, were, if they want the material and they need to buy the material, it's there for them. Okay, the market dynamics dictate where the material goes, and you can't put artificial barriers in. Now, whatever they say, whatever is being tabled in regards to why this legislation is coming in, whether it's environmental legislation, whether it's because of health and safety issues, and so on and so forth, it is simply backdoor protectionism. And I've been quite vocal about it. It's a way of maintaining material and keeping it within that it within within the the the, the regions which is emanating. So from. they say, follow the money. And you'll get to the root cause of it. Mm. So is this the lobbying effort of the consumers in your... How do they... I mean, how do they convince people that this material can't be exported? How does that happen? Well, what they're basically saying is is that, is that you know, because of the environmental uh, regulations that they're subjected to, um, it's unfair, put it very simply, it's unfair that this material then can be exported to other steel producers that don't have the same environmental regulations. So in other words, they feel they're not playing on a level playing field. And because of the circular economy and keeping material within the European region, you know, they, they feel the, the circular economy is regional, but it's not, it's global. And as regards, in terms of the first point that, that, that I touched upon in terms of environmental regulations, you and I both know, we're very fortunate, we can travel. We've travelled, we've seen steel making facilities throughout the world. Right. I've seen some of the most advanced steel making facilities in so-called third world countries countries that that are way ahead of what we're doing in uh, certain plants in Europe now now it's it's wrong then to say well okay with the environmental regulations we're going to talk about the health and safety regulations you know it's as if they they, they pick whichever whichever subject suits the narrative so for me and and the other point as well to mention John and this is very very important you know we're constantly pointing the finger at third world nations about carbon emissions and you know we're saying well you know why should we be um, you know subjected to this when this is happening in India this is happening elsewhere like my point is quite simple you can't then turn round to those nations and say well we're going to deprive you of the raw materials to enable you to reduce your carbon emissions yeah well that see that's that's <laughs> a great point i was uh, being interviewed by a new Ze the new zealand uh, metal recycling association and uh, you know, as you know, I came out with uh, our company. We did the um, docu-series Repurposed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, around the world, a lot of people have uh, really appreciated it because it, to the well, narrative. It's outstanding, yeah. You know, about CO2 uh, emissions and the reduction by yeah. electric art furnaces mm. and the reduction of energy. Let's, let's face it, energy mm. in a lot of places in the world, you know, a lot of people run out of energy during the day. And, yeah. you know, in a hot day in California, we actually might have rolling blackouts as well. Mm -hmm. And we're not a third world country yet. So they asked me, what's my advice? I said, well, you need to make sure your regulators and policymakers in New Zealand understand this material is being shipped to consumers that will use recycled materials 
that will reduce CO2 emissions and that will reduce energy consumption. And as we all know, CO2 emissions have no border, right? Absolutely. If they get up in the air, there's no border. They're not going to stop at the border. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, and, and this is the narrative. So let, let's stay on this for a second. Mm. Our industry is horribly misunderstood. <laughs> and it's evident by when Repurpose came out. And I'm talking to some very important policy makers in Washington, D.C., and they talked to me and they said, I had no idea how much the recycled materials industry impact my daily lives for infrastructure, for military, for schools, for hospitals. You don't build a hospital, Tom, without our industry. You couldn't do it. And, and it's the message, how we form in the message in Europe, because BIR and ISRI, we're working together. You know, we always work together, right? How's that message changing in Europe, if you will, to change this narrative that without us, nothing gets made? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And, and uh, you know, just to talk about repurpose. I mean, I think that's done a huge amount of good and education, and it's been absolutely fantastic, the work that you've done on that, and that's what we need to be doing. You know, I touched upon it when I said a couple of words at the, uh, the board of directors, and, you know, we haven't been very good as an industry in explaining what we do. And this is a very important time right now. You've got, you know, we're talking about European legislation, stopping of exports, we're talking about the steel mills, and, and how they are I've got to be very careful of the words I used here, but you mustn't use the word hijacking, but I've just used it. <laughs> hijacking the, 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 the whole issue of carbon emissions and the, and, and the contribution that they make. Ultimately, we're the guys. We're the guys. It's us. And we've got to make sure that we get hold of the narrative and we make people understand exactly what we do as an industry. Because all these carbon emission targets, all of these issues that we're facing at the moment, they cannot be... Uh, achieved those targets cannot be achieved without using recycled raw materials and we're at the forefront of that now as an industry over the years as I just said we probably haven't been very good at that we've been quite happy to sit back keep your head down get on with your business that's got to change we've got to educate people as to what we do because if we don't we'll get marginalized John so, so uh, well I obviously I you know I, I, I got know out, I got I, out I know, in yeah. front of it yeah um, and I'm a big I'm super passionate about this and maybe to some people, they think, John, shut up because you're bringing too much attention. No, keep to banging industry. the drum. <laughs> well, I'm not going to stop because yeah. ultimately I know, and, and, and a lot of people, you know what I found interesting about Repurpose? Mm. That our employees, who are unbelievable, hardworking people, had no idea the metals that they were processing, what really it ended up. They yeah. had no yeah. idea that the yeah. equipment that they're running yeah. actually... The balers, the steel that makes the baler comes from recycled iron. They yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. And they they all said the same thing. I am really proud to work in an industry yeah. that is at the forefront of sustainability. <clears throat> That's another message we're not putting out sustainability. there. Sustainability, absolutely. I mean, look, look where we are now, right? Just just take a look around this hall. Take a look at this stand here, your stand, the Sierra stand. Look at the technology. Look at the capital investment that our industry requires. You know, how, how advanced it is. You know, we've got, to, we've got to get this message across. You know, how, we're, how the urban mining, how, we, how we're getting every last bit of value and recycling material from every last bit of product that we discard. You know, that's the message you've got to get across. And just looking around this hall and seeing the amount of investment, technology, R&D that's gone into all of this stuff, this is the message we've got to get across. And how much recycled iron it has taken to build all this equipment and the and, building that we're in. And the building land, the, land, yeah. the, whole, the yeah. whole concept. And this is where we are 
we have failed for decades, like mm. you said at the board. You know, your words were fantastic because you really hit to the issue. We have to stop hiding. Look, I'm only a one-man wrecking crew yeah. with repurpose. Me and my brother, okay? My brother, you know, he, he calls me the politician. He says I'm the soldier. It's a joke <laughs> between us because I'm out front telling the story. Yeah. But it's not just BIR and ISRI no, Trade Association. No. I think it's incumbent to the these multi-billion dollar companies within our industry Absolutely. who are not putting a dollar towards this message. Yep, very much so. Why the resistance? I mean, you, Tom, you've been around yeah. some of the largest metal recyclers in the world. What's the resistance here? Or is it they're starting to gear up to get the message out? I was on a call. Uh, going back a little while, uh, I was asked to go on the call. Um, I won't say what the call was and where it was, but it was um, metal recycling companies and steel companies on this call. And it was talking a number of issues, and this is the one issue. I was, let's just say, very surprised at how reticent people were on the call to really make the point about what we're discussing now. It's as if they didn't want to upset their customer. You understand where I'm coming from? Yes, I do. And I, and, and I actually made quite a forceful point on the call, and I got one of the, I got one of the guys <laughs> came back to me. It's a good thing and, you don't speak your mind, Tom. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and one of the guys on the call said, oh, it's not really for me to sort of go down that route. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm really here to talk about the, um, you know, uh, there's a commercial issue. And, uh, and after the call finished, I called him and I said, listen, it is your job to go down that route. It is your job to say something. I said, I'm sitting here and I was talking, I said, on my own on this. I said, I need, we need you guys that are sitting on the boards of these big companies to make the point as well. Absolutely. Oh, well, you know, I've got to be, I'm a bit concerned about, I said, look, You've got to put that to one side. This is a bigger issue here. So maybe that goes some way to answer well, your question. Well, just look at... I say the proof is in the pudding. By doing nothing, your industry in Europe, our industry in Europe is deemed waste. Yeah. Commodity. Would anybody call gold waste, Tom? Exactly. No. Exactly. But you know what's more important to our daily lives is recycled iron. Because without recycled iron, we don't have bridges, we don't have highways, we don't have hospitals, we don't have schools, we don't have airports, etc., etc., etc. Our daily lives would be impossible to live without recycled iron. Because impossible, yeah, yeah. And think about the destruction mm. of Mother Earth through mining. Of we'd have to go back to all virgin product. I, I don't know if there's enough of it. And with the copper, and with the aluminum, and with the stainless, these commodities in Europe are deemed waste. And if somebody says, well, I don't know if it's my duty to speak up. Well, because you haven't spoke up, you are now a waste product. And there's nothing. Nobody would ever yeah. call gold waste. So let's yeah. go down that road. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is completely ridiculous when you look. And I think that's where the U.S. has been done a great job. And you, you've managed to remove that word waste from any of the descriptions of the products that we, that right. we, that we manufacture. We've still got this waste issue. This, you know, referred to it as waste in the in the UK, where one size fits all. Of course, it doesn't. One size doesn't fit all, for goodness sake. And as you quite rightly said, you know, you you look at a a skip load full of Milbury. You tell me that's waste. Give me a break. You know, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. Well, and this is the part that really drives me crazy. So, how does 
people know nobody would call gold waste. Nobody would call gold trash, garbage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, junk. Why, why can't they just clearly see how can you do this to a commodity? A commodity that actually, like copper, that has an exchange, steel on an exchange, aluminum, especially mm. London Metals Exchange, where aluminum is, you know, I mean, how could you have something that trade? Waste does not trade. Yeah. Is there a waste? Am I missing something? There's there a Dow I, Jones of waste, and I'm, I'm missing not, it. I, I'm, I'm not aware. <laughs> yeah, that's my point. I'm not aware of one. This is why, as an industry, yeah. I'm advocating that every member in BIR, every member at ISRI, they have to put something out. Something is better than nothing. Doing nothing doesn't get us anywhere now. So, you know, let's help spread the word. Yeah. So, okay, so you're coming up. Let's change gears here. Yep. This is going to be the convention coming up in May in Amsterdam. Is That's your last right. one. Yeah, Four-year run down. at Israel. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, BIR. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Four-year run at BIR. Yep. Has it been great? Tell, tell us some highlights, Tom. Tell us. You look, you know, you kind of starting to look back a little bit. Wow, it's coming to an end. Yeah, and, and it is. I mean, it's been it's been challenging for obvious reasons. I mean, you know, um, my counterpart at the outset, Gary Gary Chamley, he had it pretty challenging too. You know, sure. right at the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, it was great when I was when I when I got the when I was elected, and then of course we went into it. But I think you know, as I've said before. What it enabled us to do, you know, a lot of the time BIR was looked at as an organization, you know, a very respected organization. It was the, it was the, it, it, it is the umbrella organization for the recycling industry. It, it is the world representative body. But it was looked at a lot of the time with sort of, you know, two big conventions that were very successful. And this, it sort of, everything sort of it, it, it worked itself around those two conventions. And I think what we've managed to do is that during this period is just demonstrate the great work the BAR does in terms of advocacy and all that good stuff that we were doing anyway but it's highlighted it because we've had to be and 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 you know with the pandemic and as I talked you know where we work with national organized national associations like ISRI and and so on and so forth it enabled us to draw much closer links we supported them in the in the domestic I, I areas I was going to say that been, I, with your leadership yeah. and not to say anything about the guys because I look Dominique Bjorn, look you guys have had some great Fernando yeah. great leadership people I know and people I respect but it seems to me under your leadership Somehow, I feel like there is such a closer working relationship for the common good yeah. between ISRI, between BIR, and some of the other great MRAI, BMR, all of them. Right. And yeah, look, we're one industry, you know? We were talking the other day um, and we were having the discussion on electric vehicles, for example, in one of the sessions that we had. And um, one of the guys asked a question about Europe. And the the moderator said, "No, no, no. We want to stick with we want to stick with what's going on in in the U.S. for the time being." And then I put my hand up and said, "No, you don't want to know what you want to know what's going on in Europe too, because this is a global issue. Because there are certain you know you've got BMW, you've got Volkswagen, you've got Audi, you've got all these bigger manufacturers in Europe. It's and you've got them in the states. So I think where I'm coming from is we've got to get away from regionalizing our industry. It's a global industry. I, I would agree. And I, th 100%. And, 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 and I think that's what I've tried to sort of push in. You know. Put aside all of the differences that we may have in terms of little idiosyncrasies that we perhaps have a reason. But we're one, we're one global industry and we all have to pool our resources, our knowledge and our lobbying power together 
to get the best for the industry. And we've got to do that under one umbrella. We are one, and just because we might be in, across mass oceans doesn't mean we're really, we're, we have to be adversarial. And I think, again, back to your leadership, I think it, it, it's brought us closer. So I'm, let's one final thought before we close out here. Yeah. BIR, you're a victim of your success for your conventions because the European hotels structure, you're grow, outgrowing cities. Where are you going to be able to have the, I mean, Dubai was fantastic because you got all these yeah. hotels and, and convention hall capability. Mainland Europe, you're, you're going to struggle. So what's what's the future here with your well, growth? Well, I mean, I'm, I mean, that's for, you know, we're looking at different places. And as you quite rightly said, you know, but that's that's now for my successes to worry about i've i've got this new venture now that's on the way so i've got to get stuck into that and that's going to sort of take up yeah but you're, you're still going to be still in your blood yeah but it's yeah yeah we'll we'll see but i think that you know that's that's a good problem isn't it john you know yeah well it's fantastic well tom thank you thank you for your leadership at bar thank you thank you for your friendship thank you because i Likewise. think that friendship has really enhanced what we do as an industry across the globe yeah and Best of luck to you and your new venture. Thank I know you. you're super excited about yeah, it. Yeah, I certainly am. Good luck. Godspeed. And thank you, sir, for being with me. And, well, that's it for pleasure, another thanks. episode. Oh, you got something you want to say? No, just a pleasure. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for another episode of Pile of Scrap at ISRI 2023. This has been a Sierra International Machinery original audio series. Thanks for listening. Please share this podcast and make sure to subscribe.